0: Today, the Indiana impact of the president's new push to get more Americans vaccinated through new federal requirements. We'll have Republican reaction from Attorney General Todd Rokita, and I'll talk with the White House Deputy Press Secretary. Plus, the 20th anniversary of 9-11 amidst the crisis in Afghanistan. I sit down with Indiana Senator Todd Young to get his thoughts on how the situation was handled. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting yourself and those around you. President Joe Biden announcing sweeping new vaccine and testing requirements Thursday, and it's already bringing a lot of reaction here in Indiana and beyond. Good morning. I'm Dan Spieler. The state's numbers about what they've been the last couple of weeks as we see more signs of a possible plateau. On Friday, our Kristen Eskow spoke with Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita, who says, When it comes to these new federal requirements, he's now considering legal action.
1: We have individual responsibility. We have individual liberty because we know how to take care of ourselves. We know how to take care of our families.
2: Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita says he's already spoken with some of his counterparts in other states about ways to block President Biden's new COVID-19 mandates.
3: Looking
1: at the emergency powers of OSHA directly and does this fit the emergency definition? There's another idea. All kinds of different things.
2: Rokita says he'll have a better idea of his next steps once the text of the mandates is released. Governor Eric Holcomb believes legal challenges are inevitable.
1: Going into the private sector and mandating the private sector, to no matter how many people they employ, is a bridge too far for me.
2: Holcomb says he supports private businesses mandating the vaccine themselves if they choose.
4: We have been encouraging employers to urge their employees to get vaccinated. Uh, we do think that it's, it should be the employer's choice as to whether or not to require.
2: President Biden was asked Friday morning about the anticipated legal challenges to his plan.
5: Have at it. And I don't know of any scientist out there in this field that doesn't think it makes considerable sense to do the six things I've suggested.
2: But the Indiana Attorney General believes the move won't make Hoosiers safer.
1: I think it's going to have more, it's going to cause people to be more hesitant to take the vaccine because they're going to trust government now even less.
2: From the Indiana State House, I'm Kristen Escal.
0: Kristen, thanks. More reaction here. Congressman Andre Carson said, I support the president's bold plan to fight COVID-19. If we don't get this virus under control, he says we could lose many thousands more Hoosiers. He says getting all eligible Americans vaccinated is our only path out of the pandemic. Indiana Congressman Larry Bouchon, who's also a doctor, said I encourage all Americans to get vaccinated. However, I firmly believe this medical decision should be made between a patient and their doctors, not by federal mandate. I spoke Friday with White House Deputy Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre about some of the political backlash over the president's announcement. Is that kind of backlash inevitable at this point?
6: Look, I mean, the president was very clear, Dan, when he spoke yesterday about how he is moving forward, his administration, this whole of government approach on combating um, this COVID pandemic that we've been living with for over a year now. And for the president, and he's been very clear about this, this is not about politics. This is about saving lives. This is about making sure that we're getting more people vaccinated. This is about decreasing hospitalizations and death, deaths, right? From COVID-19, keeping schools open, our economies open and right now we're seeing a great portion a a good portion uh sadly a high portion of our of our children who are now um you know being infected with COVID-19 and we have to understand that if you're if you're 12 and under or under 12, the age of 12, you're not, you're not, and you're a parent, you're not able to vaccinate your own kids. And so we got to make sure that they are safe around uh, the people now that schools are open, that the people, uh, people around them at schools, people around them at daycare. And so we have to continue to make sure that people are getting vaccinated. That is the only way that we get out of this pandemic. So again, this is not about politics, this is about saving lives.
0: When will this requirement for private employers get rolled out and and are you you anticipating action in the courts soon over that particular meeting.
6: well I can't speak to the action in the court stand but what I can say is the Department of Labor they have they have the right when they see a grave danger, right? When they when when we're talking about the Department of Labor among workers uh, to act and this is what the secretary walsh is going to do he's going to act because there is grave danger so he's going to push forward the standard uh, that was given to him uh, by congress uh, this was a, uh, the standard is, is enacted by congress uh, and so osha and the department of labor they're going to figure out how to move forward how to pr- how to proceed and what the what the, the process looks like so we're going to leave it to them uh, to make that happen and just to be to just to remind people who are watching basically what the president has asked uh, and what the Department of Labor is going to do is anybody who any business who has uh, more than 100 people to make sure that people are fully vaccinated, if not fully vaccinated, um, get tested regularly. And we again, this is about saving lives. That's one of the uh, components of his plan that he announced yesterday, the president announced yesterday.
0: President Biden, when he was running for president, said he didn't favor the idea of mandating the vaccine. What was the specific turning point that, that forced yeah. a, a change in his thinking on this?
6: And Dan, you're absolutely right. It's a great question. Uh, well, we didn't expect, he did not expect that people would not get vaccinated. We have to remember these vaccines are safe. They're accessible. Uh, they're really easy to get, um, and they will save your lives. They will prevent you from getting uh, very ill, ending up, potentially ending up in the hospital uh, from COVID-19. Now we have the Delta variant, which I'm sure uh, you all have been talking about, Dan. And so we have to make sure that we do everything that we can to save lives, protect people
0: of my interview there with the White House Deputy Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre. You can see more of that on our website. In the meantime, we're also hearing from Indiana Senator Mike Braun on the president's newly announced vaccine requirements. Senator Braun saying the president is reeling from his failures in Afghanistan, the border and our economic recovery by desperately overstepping his authority, in Braun's words, with these vaccine mandates for private businesses that he feels violate the individual liberty this country was built on. Senator Todd Young said, I received the COVID vaccine and encourage Hoosiers to do the same, but he says the president, in his words, has no right to force private employers to intervene in their employees' personal health decisions. This week, I also spoke with Senator Young about the crisis in Afghanistan with a memorial scheduled later today in Logansport for Corporal Umberto Sanchez, who was killed along with 12 other service members in an ISIS attack late last month. This week, I asked Senator Young about the situation overseas and what this moment means for our country as we mark 20 years since September 11th. The situation in Afghanistan obviously has been front and center here in the news in recent weeks, especially after the tragic loss of 13 service members, including a Marine from Indiana. What is your message for the families of those we've lost? To Corporal Sanchez's family out
7: of Logansport and to the other dozen uh, service members uh, that lost their lives on behalf of this country, uh, I want to let them know that Hoosiers and uh, Americans from coast to coast honor their sacrifice and don't regard it as something in vain. The mere fact that they raised their right hand to serve our country is is, uh, worthy of our respect. And let's remember that for 20 years, those service members
0: uh, kept America safe and secure. This 20th anniversary of uh, September 11th, this week, uh, Saturday was September 11th. President Biden recently saying, after 20 years, I've learned the hard way there was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. Uh, You also served as a Marine. What's your response to that? And what was our presence there? worth it?
7: Look, one can strategically embrace the notion that we needed to pivot to Asia, to focus more on uh, the existential threat, generational threat that uh, communist China uh, presents. Uh, But clearly, I think Republicans, Democrats, independents, everyone can agree that this exit was botched. And uh, for that, uh, we all deserve a lot of answers. What should we have done differently? Well, we should have, in short, decided to uh, identify uh, all the Americans that were there and first get the civilians out and those who fought alongside of us, then get the people with guns out. It's really that simple. Uh, But instead, we got our our Marines and and soldiers and others out uh, before uh, having the civilians uh, taken out. And and, um, there's a lot of retrospection to be done. Should have we vacated Bagram Air Base? Uh, Should have we let our allies and partners know before we uh, were in the process of withdrawing? Uh, All these things we'll be looking into at the Foreign Relations Committee next week when the Secretary of State appears before us.
0: Mr. President Biden's point, though, that was there ever a good time to to do this?
7: Uh, There was a good way to do this. There was a good way to do this, and uh, that would have been a more methodical approach. Notify our allies. Uh, You don't give up air cover. You certainly notify the Afghan National Security Force that you're in the process of disengagement so that you don't spook them, uh, thus leading to, in part to their dissolution as a military force. Um, and uh, you make very clear to the Taliban leadership that we are not leaving until every American uh, is on a plane and out of there. The,
0: the White House and more broadly the country as a whole dealing with, with multiple crises right right now, a number of natural disasters in recent weeks, uh, with the pandemic still raging a lot of division in this country and what's already been a very divisive time. Compare that to the, the mood in this nation 20 years ago after 9-11. C- can we unite as a country to overcome the, the, these many challenges that we face?
7: Well, we can, and, and I'm
0: glad you give me the
7: opportunity to drive that message home. Uh, I'm a student of history, and I know we've been through Tons of rough rough patches over the course of our nation's history, whether it was during the time of the revolution or the run-up to the Civil War, uh, the progressive era, civil rights era. We've been through tough times. And I was actually in Washington, D.C. on 9-11. I remember us coming together uh, even as the Pentagon was struck. Um, We can do that again. Uh, It makes my heart bleed that our nation is divided along political lines, and and, um, uh, I think it's important now more than ever uh, that we make a concerted effort to love our neighbors, to understand people who have different perspectives,
0: and to engage them in conversation, maybe people who think a little differently than we do. It it is an election year. You're up for re-election. You were also head of the GOP's uh, fundraising efforts for the 2020 campaign in the Senate. You raised a lot of money for fellow senators but ultimately lost the Senate because of those runoffs in Georgia. Can the GOP win back the House and the Senate next year? What will it take for that to happen?
7: Well, look, I I think most people are predicting that will happen. Uh, My mind's not really in that political space right now, candidly. We have an unsecure... Uh, southern border. Uh, we have this crisis in Afghanistan. We have a Marine here in Indiana uh, who just lost his life. And I know the people of Logan's border, uh, Logan's border are really hurting on account of that. Uh, we still have the COVID pandemic uh, uh, amidst us, and uh, the cost of living is going up. So uh, Hoosier sent me to Washington to serve out a full six-year term, and I intend to do that, really focusing uh, on their needs. And there will come a, a short time for politics uh, a bit later.
0: Those issues will no doubt be front and center in next year's uh, campaign. Many of the situations we're facing right now, will they not? Uh, They will, I expect. Yeah, 2024, right around the corner as well. Former President Trump may be considering another run for president. Republican Senator Pat Toomey, who's retiring this past week, said he doesn't think that President Trump should be the party's nominee, that it's time to move on. Do you agree or do you support former President Trump in another run for the White House? So
7: as I indicated, I'm focused intently on, on solving you know, genuine crises we have right now, many of which we did not have uh, when this administration came into office. Uh, I want to work with the administration wherever possible to solve these crises. Where it's not possible, uh, I want to hold them to account and, and make sure that we incentivize the administration to have better government. And then uh, as, as 2022 approaches, we'll focus on that election. And then after that, we can think about uh, uh, future elections.
0: All right, so Senator Young not wanting to answer that question just yet. He was, by the way, officially endorsed this week by former Vice President Mike Pence, who joined him at a fundraiser on Wednesday. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, Indiana's current governor meeting with Afghan refugees this week. We'll talk about our state's role in this effort 20 years after 9-11, plus much more on President Biden's new vaccine requirements. We'll talk with our panel about the impact here in Indiana. Governor Eric Holcomb met with evacuees staying at Camp Atterbury this week in Johnson County. The governor says he's proud of the work being done there and the outpouring of kindness he's seen from Hoosiers. All this on a weekend where we mark 20 years since the tragic events of September 11th, which of course led directly to the war in Afghanistan, which has just now come to an end. We're reflecting on all of this today with our panel. Jennifer Wagner, Mike Murphy, Robin Winston, Tony Samuel. Jennifer, we asked Senator Young about this earlier, the mood in this country after Nine Eleven was largely one of unity, and as we continue to suffer through this ongoing pandemic, it seems to be a very different mood now. Twenty years later, is it not?
3: Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to believe, Dan. Looking back twenty years uh, on this weekend, that you know we all banded together, we all trusted government, um, and in the weeks and months after Nine Eleven, our government actually took away a kind of stunning number of our civil rights and our you know into our freedom and our, our you know, what our watch lists and, and what we were checking out from the library. And we were like, you know what, that's OK, because because you're trying to keep us safe. And then you fast forward 20 years and you've got this fight over vaccines and testing for something we know is safe and will save lives. And, you know, we're, we're losing as many Americans every two days to covid as we lost in 9-11, on the, in the attacks on 9-11. And it's, it's just really stunning. And it's hard to explain, especially to younger generations that, that didn't live through it, how we can be so divided today when we were so united back then.
0: M- Mike, your thoughts? What, why has this current tragedy been so much more divisive?
4: Well, first of all, uh, back on 9-11, we faced an external enemy which we could all um, uh, come together to fight. Um, this crisis today is, is primarily an internal crisis, in the sense that it's it's our own people who are deciding uh, not to get vaccinated. And by the way, I don't support a federal government mandate. I support convincing people to get vaccinated, but it's it's a very different. You can't really compare the two.
0: Robin, y- your response to, to that?
5: Well, I, uh, Jennifer's right. I mean, this is perplexing. Um, when you think about what we're talking about here, we're talking about saving your life. but seventy five percent of the American people that are eligible for being vaccinated, I believe, have been vaccinated. We're talking about the pandemic of the unvaccinated that are still going on. And that's got to be addressed. I mean, think about it, Dan. We did safety belts. That's mandated. The General Assembly here just said you can't text and drive. That's mandated. So this is talking about saving lives backed by science. We need to get behind this with the same dim and vigor that we did on combating external forces on 9-11.
0: Tony, your, your view on what Robin said there and what, what about the political impact of this announcement Thursday from the president?
1: Well, it's, uh, it's an overreach. Uh, he's dividing the country further. Um, he's pitting again, uh, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. And I've said on the show before, it's not a question. That's not the question. The question is there are folks with immunity either by vaccine or natural immunity. And we need to take that under consideration. The, people, the reason that people don't trust this president and this government is because he's flip-flopped on so many things. He's gotten so many things wrong, not just on uh, the COVID issue, but on the economy, on the southern border. Why is he not talking about all of the illegal uh, folks coming over the southern border, 200,000 a month, going to be 2 uh, million in this year that are unvaccinated, that are spreading what, uh, as I understand it, is is the Lambda uh, uh Uh, variant coming from Brazil and that's maybe what we're going to face next. There's also not enough focus on where this came from instead of dividing this country. Why aren't we looking more at China? Uh, You know, whenever you talk about China and whether this was intentional or in a lab or not, they shut shut down that debate right away. We need to focus not on, on dividing Uh, ourselves, but on where this came from and how it can be stopped in the future.
0: Jennifer, what's your reaction to that? And and, and is this a move the president had to make regardless of the political consequence or backlash that that might exist now?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm also concerned about where this came from. I'm not really sure how that's going to affect, you know, the thousands of people who are being hospitalized and, and ventilated and dying every day in this country right now. But, you know, we can we can, I guess, engage in that distraction. Um, look, I, I think the president, first of all, did not just mandate that everyone has to get vaccinated. There is a testing element of this as well. You can either do one or the other and it's your choice. So you still have that personal freedom. And yeah, I think he did. This has been the worst group project ever for those of us who actually did the work, got vaccinated and are trying to get us toward herd immunity. We got a bunch of C and D and F students out there that just won't do the job. And the rest of us are having to drag them along. So yeah, he had to do it. I don't like to be told what to do either, But, you know, this is where we are right now.
0: Certainly more to come on the legal ramifications. Potentially we'll see what happens here and elsewhere. We are also expecting big news at the state house this coming week uh, on redistricting. We should get our first look at the maps for our congressional districts. Mike, what are you expecting to see this week when it comes to the fight over redistricting?
4: Well, I expect the Republicans to use the power they have to design the districts they want, which you would expect they're in the majority. I would expect them to... uh, Take some Republicans who they really are not fond of themselves and put them in districts that will get them primaries, and I also expect them to take out a, a few uh, a few Democrats uh, by putting uh, strong Republicans in their seat in their in their districts. Remember, the the, the legislative um, representation is collapsing toward the center of the state. That's inevitable. Lake County will lose some, for example. Um, inevitable. So we'll just have to wait and see what what, uh, what maps they propose. Robin, what do you expect we'll see this week?
5: Well, Mike, being a former legislator, keenly understands this process. Um, and he's right. The Republicans will draw maps that will benefit them to keep the supermajority. It's more about what that supermajority has done to wreak havoc on Hoosiers oh. that should be concerned. And I hope that that's what people will see when they go to vote in 22.
0: Okay. Our thanks to the panel. Uh, We appreciate your time. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, more reflections on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 from some Hoosiers who were there helping in the aftermath. Stick around. We'll be right back. 20 years after 9-11, Indiana's Task Force One is remembering their efforts to help in the aftermath of the attacks
6: clapping as we went by, clapping as we came back, which was really hard because you're clapping and we found nothing all day. We searched 12 hours. I can't help any of you because I found nothing. We're here on the biggest mission of our life and we're not finding anyone. So that, that, was, that was hard.
4: Our last day there, we
7: were sent to go in the subway and then come in to the, to Ground Zero. And we found a piece of the fuselage of one of the jets in the subway.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: They have so many profound reflections about their time there at Ground Zero. We have more of those interviews. Our digital team has gathered them here on our website, along with a full section of stories to mark the 20th anniversary of 9-11. You can find that right now online. Stick around. We're back to wrap things up right after this. Colts Blue Zone coverage starts today at 1130 on CBS 4, right after Face the Nation. Then the Colts and the Seahawks at 1 on Fox 59. CBS 4 is the Browns and Chiefs at 430, followed by the season premiere of 60 Minutes, reflecting on the 9-11 anniversary. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Tony, I'll start with you.
1: Winners are all of our heroes from 20 years ago on 9-11, the first responders and everybody that served in the military in Afghanistan and uh, Iraq since then. Robin.
5: No losers here. Humberto Sanchez of Logan's Port, who gave the ultimate sacrifice for the freedom of others. Thank you, Marine, for serving. God bless you. Well said, Mike.
4: I would say the winners are the people of Johnson County who have welcomed the Afghan refugees with open arms. I haven't heard or seen a single bit of protest from Johnson County. Jennifer.
3: Yeah, just to echo what everyone's already said, you know, to look back 20 years and reflect on our losses, but also to hope that we can take those losses and learn from them um, and, and become a stronger, more united country.
0: All right. Thank you all. and Thank you for joining us this week. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.